you have your Bibles this morning, let's open them up right away to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're doing the second part of a two-part message here on verses 1 through 7. And as you turn there, let me just tell you something that happened to me. Last week, I was uh, driving in my car, and I parked it, uh, when all of a sudden, in the midst of all the heat that uh, was happening outside of the car, I had the air conditioner going, uh, I was blowing nice, cool air, and then all of a sudden, it stopped blowing nice, cool air. And that was an unpleasant experience. I began to think, this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't how this is supposed to function. You turn on the air conditioning, and what? Cool air is supposed to come out. So immediately, I recognized something is wrong. Uh, and then that little dot, that little blinking red light came up on my car dash. It said that my car was what? It was overheating, and so something needed to happen, something needed to be, to be fixed. I could tell that something was wrong. The, the car was overheating, the air wasn't blowing cold, air was blowing uh, hot air, and so the, the next step for me was to ultimately diagnose what is the problem, because I knew this isn't how the car is supposed to function. I knew that it meant that some part in the car was not functioning the way it was designed. Hence, I wasn't getting cold, cold air. Now, I, I raise that illustration before us this morning because do you ever sometimes feel heat in your marriage? <laughs> what I mean by that is do you ever feel as though sometimes like, hey, this thing isn't working the way that it should because there is, there's disunity, uh, there's, there's conflict, there, there's, there's friction here. Just like my car was producing the heat that it wasn't supposed to produce, sometimes within marriages, we can have the same kind of experience. And what I would like to say is just like my car, where that heat was indicating to me that, that something wasn't working properly, so I would like to propose this morning that when you're experiencing that friction, that heat often within the relationship of marriage, it could be an indication that, that something is happening in the marriage relationship, potentially one or both parties in the marriage isn't, isn't functioning in the way that God has designed. And this text of scripture that we're looking at this morning in 1 Peter chapter 3 is a text that clearly lays out for us what is the role of a husband and what is the role of a wife within marriage. And I would propose to you that when both roles are functioning the way that God has designed... There is instead disunity, unity. Instead of disharmony, harmony. Instead of heat and friction, there's a, well, a, a breath of fresh, fresh air. And so I want to read the entirety of 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 together. And then we'll um, pick up where we left off last week. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in the uh, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7, likewise, 
Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the word of God. Amen? This is, this is God speaking to us and speaking to us very particularly about the roles of husbands and wives. Now you hear the sirens going, and rather than just continue on, we decided to do something. Whenever we hear the sirens pass, we're going to stop and pray because we don't know where they're going. Does that sound like a good plan? Let's do that for a moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, this, is, uh, this is your time. This is your world. And sometimes there's these unexpected things like sirens that go by. Lord, uh, when we hear that, that means there's emergency. That means that there's a problem. Lord, we don't know what it is you do because we believe that you have the power and you're in control. Would you intercede on whoever has need, even right now, just as we have need to hear from you. So we pray and we ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. So as we look at this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's obviously uh, a passage about marriage. And we, and we talked last week about, about the role of, of wives. And, and there were a couple of things that we said that, that bear repeating for us this, this morning. Um, this section starts with the word likewise. You caught that, right? Verse 1 says, likewise wives. And the reason why I want to draw our attention to this is that what Peter is doing here, if you remember, is he is he's saying that what I'm about to say is a continuation of the conversation we have been already having. And the conversation that he's already been having, what, what he's been speaking to believers is the fact that in this world, God has established certain institutions, certain structures of authority. He's talked about the role of government, and then he's talked about the role of employers and employees. And so, so Peter has introduced us here to something that we've called sphere sovereignty. This is so huge to understand that God, for the good of his creation, while he's the ultimate authority, has also established these different spheres, these, these structures of authority that exist to bless humanity and to help humanity accomplish what it is that God has called us to do. And within each sphere, we as Christians are supposed to, to live a certain way. We're not free to guess at it. We're not supposed to look at these different structures of authority and say they don't matter. No, instead, we're supposed to say, God, like, how do I fit within that sphere? Where, where's my role? In relationship to governments, we're citizens. In relationship in our workplaces, we're employees. And in relationship to marriage, as we see today, there are these husbands and wives. And so one of the things I just want to say again is, listen, Marriage is an institution created by God. He's the one who gives definition to it. He's the one who explains how it's to be. It's not a man-made institution. And within marriage, as we saw last week, we're going to see again this week, God has established different roles for husbands and wives. They're not interchangeable. There are husbands, there are wives. And each serves a very specific and important role within the context of marriage. But one of the things that I drew attention to last week that we have to remember as we think about our different roles within marriage as husbands and wives is this. Men and women are equal in worth and value in the eyes of God. Can I get an amen to that? Men and women are of equal value and worth in the eyes of God. He created us that way. And if we do not get this, we're going to be tempted to think that one role within marriage is greater than another. And that therefore the person that's in the one role that we think is greater is better than the person who is in the role that we think is, is lesser. This, though, is simply not the case. One of the things we proclaim here is the word of God. 
And because we proclaim the word of God, we proclaim what God says about men and women and that they are of equal worth and equal value and that each of their roles is significant. And so last week, if you were with us, you'd know that when we talked about the role of women or the role of wives within marriage, here's what we said. Here's how we defined it. I'm not going to unpack it in its fullness. You can go back and listen to that message. But here's what we said. When, when wives are called to be subject to their husbands, we said that that means that the role of a wife within marriage is to acknowledge, to support, and then to willingly follow the leadership of her husband. Like that is, is the wife's role, to to. To not be subservient to, but to come alongside her husband, to follow his leadership, to support him in the role that God has, has given him. That goes all the way back to Genesis and the first chapters when God creates Eve as the helpmate for her husband. And we said, listen, there's a couple of, like, um, there's a couple of caveats to that, i.e. The, the wife is not to support or to follow her husband if he's leading her into to sin. Um, he's not supposed. She's not supposed to to follow the the leadership of her husband uh, if he is sinning by abusing abusing her. But ultimately, the, the the way that this thing is supposed to function is that the wife understands her her role, and if she understands her role, and as we see today, if the husband understands his role, then the AC is going to be working right. Everything's going to be be functioning the way that it's that it's supposed to. And so that was last week, but this week, what we're going to do is we're just going to focus in on, on verse 7, because we're going to look at the role of a, of a husband. Husband, what's our role? Now, it was, it was funny. I had a, a buddy of mine here in the church. He texted me last night, and he said, he said, hey, one of my kids is feeling a little sick. Should, should, should we come? Um, should one of us come with the other kids, or should we stay home? What do you want us to do? And we said, hey, listen, in, the, in this environment, like, if somebody in your family is sick, just everybody stay home, right? Like, play it out for a week and, and see how it goes. But then I texted him right back, and I said, but, but, but are you doing this because you know that I'm preaching about the role of husbands? Is that why you're staying at home, right? We're still online, right? So you can, you're going to watch this. And uh, so he's watching right now. I know he is. I'm not going to say his name. But, but here's what it says to us, husbands. Are you ready? Verse 7. Let's read it again. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker, what, vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, just to jump off of this right away, do you notice that when Peter talks about the role of wives, he gives six verses. Six verses to talk about the role of wives, and yet when it comes to talk about the role of husbands, he gives what? One verse. What's going on there? What's going on with the length of discussion? Now, the brevity with which he addresses husbands, it could mean a lot of things, or it could mean absolutely nothing. I tend to think, though, that if husbands are only given one verse in this section as they are, Peter is letting us know that the role of a husband is not that complicated, guys. I think, I think Peter knows that many men are like Forrest Gump when he said, I'm not a smart man, Jenna. right? Like, he's like, here's, here's the role of a husband. I'm putting it on the lower shelf. I think he also knows that maybe we as, as husbands sometimes have short attention spans. And so he's like, I'm not going to complicate it. I'm not going to use a lot of words here. You guys don't need a lot of words. I'm just going to give you a, a few. And so in the few words that he gives us, let me summarize what I believe he's calling husbands to. I'm going to give you the kind of the full definition, and we're going to break it down. Whereas the role of the wife was to acknowledge, support, and willingly follow the leadership of her husband, the role of a husband is very simply to lead his family in such a way that it blesses and benefits them. 
The role of a husband is to lead his family and to do it in such a way that it blesses and benefits them. It is a leadership that is outward focused. No matter which way you cut it, at the beginning and the end of the day, the role of a husband starts with this. Men, if you are a husband, you are called to lead. By God's design, we are to be the leaders of our family. And this is pretty clearly seen in the fact that Peter calls wives to be subject to their husbands. As I said last week, that means to follow the leadership of another. And so if wives are to be subject to husbands, then it is therefore then the husbands who are the ones who are called to lead. And again, these roles are not interchangeable. And this whole idea of being subject, as, as we saw in the idea of sphere sovereignty and the structures that God creates, is just like there are citizens who are to follow the leadership of government, just as there are employees who are, who are to follow their employers. So now within marriage, if a wife is in the role where she comes under another, whoever that other is, well, they're logically the ones who are called to lead. So husbands, we are called to lead. That is our role and responsibility. Now, what that truly means, we're going to get to that in just, just a moment. But I want us to be clear of, of just how this is God's design. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I, I want us to see that it's just not Peter who comes and says this. That this isn't just one time that we come across this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a book that we studied about a year ago, in verse 3 of chapter 11, he's, he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about the relationship between husbands and wives, and he says very clearly this, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. So talk about spheres of authority. God's the ultimate authority. Christ is the man's ultimate authority. But look at this. The head of a wife is her what? Husband. Just as Christ is head over all, we follow him, a wife follows her husband as he is the head, and the head of Christ is, is God. And then this is further addressed in Ephesians chapter 5. If you can turn over there, if you can find it, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to come back to this passage a couple of times. It's worthwhile to just make note of it. In verse 22 of chapter 5, Paul again says to the church in Ephesus, to other bro- brothers and sisters, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the what? head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Again, reinforcing this this structure. Husbands, you are called to, to lead. Now, a couple of things. When we think about leadership, Right away, I need to say, do not think, though, men, and do not think even wives, that the leadership that's being talked about here, the headship that's being talked about here, is that the husband is king of the castle. He's not called to be king of the castle, whatever that means, whatever cultural connotations come with that. This leadership that's being talked about here has not as its goal power. By no means is our leadership to be used to to ascertain more power, nor is it about self-gratification. 
All of this becomes abundantly clear when we understand that God doesn't leave us to define leadership by our own definitions, but he actually spells out in this text what leadership ultimately looks like. What does it look like for a man to lead his family? Just as we talked about what does it mean for a wife to be subject, what does it mean for a husband to embrace this this role? Sure enough, he tells us. See, one of the tendencies that I found that when you, when you start talking about leadership is to look to worldly examples of leadership. You look to the military. Maybe a man looks to sports. Maybe you look to the workplace. We've got to take all those things, kind of put them to the side, and just hear this. Are you ready? Look back at verse 7. Here's what leadership looks like. Husbands, those to whom wives are to be subject. Keep that in mind. Husbands, live with your wives in a what? Understanding way. This is absolutely huge. This is absolutely huge. First and foremost, we exercise our role by living with our wives in an understanding way. What on earth does that mean? Let's talk about it. This is the only time actually in the entire Greek New Testament that that phrase, understanding way, is actually used. But based upon the context here, based upon how it's used Elsewhere in Greek literature of that day, we have a pretty clear understanding of what it means to live with somebody in an understanding way. It means this. It means that I put myself in the shoes of another. It means I know the needs of the other person. I know what it is that they are called to, and I will help them do that. To live with your wife in an understanding way is, is to lead like this. A husband must know the role, needs, and cares of his wife and respond appropriately. You want to know what it means to to lead by living with your wife in an understanding way. Peter is coming here and he's saying, husband, you must know the role, the needs and cares of your wife and respond to those in an appropriate way. You can't live with someone in an understanding way if you don't genuinely know them and and so so what does this look like i want to encourage us as men here to embrace what peter says and that's first and foremost you need to know your wife's role if you're to live with your wife in an understanding way you have to truly know her role to put yourself in in her shoes we can't be the leader in our homes if we do not clearly understand what god has called our wives If you don't have an understanding of your wife's role, you cannot live with her in an understanding way. You'll place expectations upon her. You'll call her to things that God does not call her to. And in doing so, you will fail to be a leader that God has called you to be. You see, God says that he created the role of a wife, as we saw last week, to be a helpmate to the husband. She will make up for you, husband, what you lack and vice versa. She is there to help you. She's there to support you in leading the family. She is your partner in the task. In fact, her role is just as important as your role because if neither role is working appropriately, if neither is functioning as God has designed, there's going to be that conflict. There's going to be that friction. There's going to be that that heat. There's going to be that collapse. So husbands, do you truly know the role of your wife? Do you know what God has called her to? Do you know when she's called to be subject to you that it does not mean that she is to be your slave? 
do you know that that means that she is not there to, to serve you? Do you know that her role is not to, in a crass way, like our culture often sees it, to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, right? That's, that's not the role of a wife. Last week, I used this illustration. I'm going to come back to it again. I talked about Olympic double skull rowing and how in double skull rowing, you have two partners together in a boat, each one needing to, to exercise their role perfectly, each one needing to be strong and each one there to support one another. But one takes the leadership. One actually sets the tempo for the team as, as they row. You're in the same boat with your wife, and her role is important. It's to come alongside of you. So, so do you understand your role? I think a large part of the frustration that often happens in marriage is that we have these wrong or false expectations. And because as a husband, we're not clear about how our, our, our wife is to relate to us and how we're to relate to our wife because maybe we don't know what her role is because we haven't talked about it because we're not looking to support her in that we try and take a square peg and we try and cram it into a round hole and how well does that turn out? It doesn't turn out well. So husband, know your wife's role. Know and understand the needs and cares of your wife. That's the other part of living with them in an understanding way. It's not just know what God has called her to so that you can support her in that, but it's also to know and understand her needs and her cares. Why do I say that? Flip back over to Ephesians chapter 5. To live with your wife in an understanding way most simply put, is to put yourself in the other person's shoes. And that's what Paul says we're supposed to do in Ephesians chapter 5. But look down at verse 8. In verse 28, he says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own what? Bodies. Or as their own selves. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. The reason why I say that we are called to not only know our wife's role, but to know their needs and their cares is because Paul says, look at this, to live with your wife in an understanding way means you know her so intimately as though you know your own self. I don't know about you, but I got a pretty good read on me. What I mean by that is I know when I'm hungry. I know when I'm tired. I know what helps me emotionally and what causes me to struggle emotionally. I know when I feel overwhelmed, and I know when I have capacity. I have a pretty good temperature gauge on what's going on in my life. Is it perfect? No. But I know me. And Paul says, husband, did you know that your role in leading your family is to know your wife in that kind of a way? To know her as intimately as you know yourself. Just as you take care of your own body, husband, so too you need to be attuned to the needs and the cares of your wife. Now, how do we get to know their needs and cares? Like if I were to break you up right now, into small groups in the middle of a church service. Wouldn't that be exciting, right? You guys wouldn't know what to do. A social distance small group, so of course, right? But, but if I were to ask you, how do you come to know the needs and cares of another person? It's, it's actually not that difficult. It involves a couple of things. Let me see here. You ask questions and then you listen. You ask questions and then you listen. 
my brother Aaron, who's a pastor, one time said, do not confuse familiarity for understanding. Do not confuse familiarity for understanding. See, sometimes we can say, I know my wife. I know her. I know all about her. I know when she was born. I know where she grew up. I, I know the food that she likes. I know when we had our first kiss, our first date. Like, most husbands would probably do okay at, like, the newlywed game, answering those questions. But those are questions that are only surface level. Do you really know your wife? Are you familiar with her, or do you have understanding? Do you want to know the kinds of questions to ask even today to move yourself from just familiarity to understanding with your wife so that you might fulfill what God calls you to in your role? Like, these are free. You can pay me later, right? Like, if I, I mean, if it, like, here's questions that move from familiarity to understanding. You ask, what's, what's your greatest insecurity? What brings you the greatest joy right now? What's one thing that you would change about me? What's one thing you'd change about our marriage? You're like, why would I do that? Dave, what are you, what are you, what are you, crazy? What are you, what are you struggling with currently spiritually? What are you praying for these days? Moving from familiarity to understanding requires an intentionality in seeking to ask questions and to listen. To even ask the question, what's something that you wish that, that I would know about you that, that I don't seem to know? <laughs> I just want to encourage husbands at this moment to say, I have yet to meet a wife who, knowing that this is what her husband is striving to do, failed to support and follow his leadership. But Peter comes to us and he says, listen, we don't just stop at a knowledge of our wives and an understanding of, of their roles and what their cares and their needs are. He says very clearly, both here and what we see Paul say in Ephesians, that we should respond then appropriately to what we have ultimately heard. Look at how verse 7 says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You want, to, you want to know them. You want to put yourself in their shoes. But then he says this, showing honor to them. It, it moves from just a, from accumulating knowledge and understanding to this activity of giving honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. You want to know what it looks like to lead? You want to know what it looks like to lead? You must have a knowledge and understanding of her role, her needs, and her cares. But, but, then, but then it moves on to this. You're supposed to honor them. A husband is to celebrate and support his wife in her role. This is what honor is all about. To celebrate, to praise the wife for who she is, and to support her in her role. That's what it means when Peter says, honor the wife as the weaker vessel. And in fact, I just want to sit on that for just a minute. I talked about it last week. There's this gross misunderstanding of this text. And when I say a gross misunderstanding, I mean this text has often been used to, to, to show that women are lesser than men because they interpret that, that phrase, weaker vessel, 
as, as meaning that, that women are physically weaker, emotionally weaker. They, they are, are weaker even intellectually. That's what Peter's getting at. And I say, that's baloney. That's not what he's talking about at all. Sure, a woman might be, be weaker than men, but I'm looking at some women here that I know could beat up some of the guys here, okay? Um, it, it's, it's, it's not to say that even because women are more emotional, that that is a sign of weakness. Like, if you think that a man is better than a woman because he's less emotional than a woman, show me that in the Bible, all right? Like, just because women are more prone to, to emotion and men are, are less so, like, like that's, that's the way God made us. We're to celebrate those differences. We need each other in that. Often I'll hear guys talk about, oh, my wife's so emotional, these kind of things. Like, we're going to get to speaking well of your wife in just a moment. But, but it's like we need to separate and say, this is what Peter's talking about. When he says, show them honor as the weaker vessel, he's saying something that was radical in this day. Because when he talks about a woman being the weaker vessel, he's saying, acknowledge that she's not in the role of leadership. That's how she's the weaker vessel. You're the vessel of strength in the sense that you're called to lead. She's in this position of, of weakness because she comes underneath you. And so why is this so radical? Because he's looking at husbands and he's saying, listen, in your culture, in your day, those who are under the authority of another, you don't honor those people. You don't celebrate those people. You don't help those people out. Those people are there to help you. And Peter says, throw that off. Get rid of that idea that, that just because she's in a role different than you that comes underneath you, that that's not a role that's not significant, that that's not a role that shouldn't be honored. He's saying, honor the weaker vessel. That's countercultural in Peter's day, and it's countercultural in our day. And so the question then becomes, so what does it look like then to honor this person? Well, I told you that to honor looks like celebrating and supporting a wife and her role, but, but practically, what does that look like? Three things. Number one, it means to think well of your wife, to think well of her. You cannot honor someone that you do not think well of. And husbands today, if you think that your wife is lesser than you, if you think that she is there to serve you, if you think that she's not significant, I don't know any guy that would ultimately cop to that in public, but, but if like that's going on in your mind, you have to recognize that you'll never be able to celebrate and support her the way that God calls you to do. God calls you to think well of your wife. So think well of your wife. That's, what, that's where honor begins. I'm going to see the role that God has given her. I'm going to see her as having worth and of having value as created as my helpmate. That's how I want to view my wife. I want to view my wife as Christ viewed the church. I want to have the eyesight of Jesus as I look at her. I want to look at my wife and I want to believe what Peter says about all of us. That we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. That what is true of me is true of my wife. I want to think well of her. It starts in the mind. But then it moves from the mind to the mouth. We're to speak well of our wives. That's what honor means. To speak well of your wife. Both to her and about her to others. To speak well of somebody involves words of affirmation. It could mean telling your wife just even simply, I love you. Brothers, husbands here today, when was the last time that you looked at your wife, took both of her hands, and said, thank you for being my wife, for being the person who supports me in my leadership role? Thank you 
for being what I am not. You know, Hannah and I have been married 17 years. I am continually amazed at how even in the last three and four years, my gratitude for my wife and seeing just how well we complement one another just continues to grow and to grow and to grow. And how if I had not been married to her, I would not have learned things about myself that God would not be sanctifying me and changing me and growing me if I didn't have somebody like her who in so many ways is, is my opposite. Speaking well of your wife, affirming her, not just to her face, but also acknowledging her and affirming her in front of your children. In fact, guys, in front of our children, do we esteem or do we belittle? Do we live out honoring our wives and how we speak about them? Are we sarcastic about them? Do we joke about them? Do we even go so far as to mock them? Like, just in general, there's a billion scriptures that talk about how we should speak in general (laughs) and to put a guard over our mouth. But within marriage, to lead as a husband, it's that I'm going to speak well of, of my wife. And I'm looking at some of the guys here. I'm not going to make eye contact with the guys right now, but I know some of you. And some of you are like, I'm not much of a talker. It's just not what I do. Like, my dad never said he loved me. I'm like, that stinks. That's not good. Your dad should have said that he loved you. But, but if you're looking at your marriage and saying, you know, I just, gosh, getting all mushy and gushy, it's just not the thing that I do, right? To that I would say, if that's your struggle, get over it. Um, And what I mean by get over it is get right with Jesus because what Jesus did was he left all the comforts of heaven and he took on the constraints of humanity and he bore your sins and my sins upon the cross, dying the death that I should have died, making an ultimate sacrifice, giving up glory in order to save and to redeem. And if he's able to make those kind of sacrifices for us, Me taking a deep breath and realizing I might not be much of a talker. Like that excuse doesn't really fly, right? And it says, I can overcome this because Jesus overcame my sin by dying for me. Are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? We speak well of our our wives. And, And if like that's not enough, like Jesus should be enough for you. But let me go one more step. Like I have three daughters, okay? Um, so, so I'm anticipating the day when God might bring men into their lives. And as I think about that day, I think about what would I do if my daughter married a guy who did not speak well of her? Like, what would I do if I continually watched another man belittle, deride, never build up, but only tear down my wife? You guys know I play ice hockey, right? Like, they're to my shame, two, twice in my eyes, I, I got in fights, right? Um, and only twice. I won both. Uh, that's, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> because my brother grabbed the guy's arms and he didn't kill me. But, but like, when I think about that, I'm like, what would I do? I'll tell you what my flesh would be tempted to do. I'm tempted to beat the guy up. And then I thought, well, well, Dave, what are you modeling for your daughters when you speak about your wife? When they see you talk about Hannah, are they seeing a man who builds up his wife? Are are they going to be drawn to a man who is sarcastic and joking? Or are they going to be drawn to a man who speaks well because are they seeing it in you? 
I mean, if it's not enough to, to look to the example of Jesus, I, I just have that in my thoughts to say, I want to model for my girls the type of man that I believe God would call them to marry. And by the way, for all the young men who are here today, stay away. All right, moving on. The final thing, though, about honor, and this is an interesting one, is you also honor your wife by seeking out the help of your wife. Seeking out the help of your wife. You think well of your wife, you speak well of your wife, and then you seek out the help of your wife. What do, how does that have to do with honor? Well, think about this. You can tell someone that you honor them all day long, but if they're never given opportunities to give input to something, they won't feel as though they're of value, and they won't feel as though they are of worth. Seeking out the help of your wife as you make family decisions, as you move forward through life, as you raise your children, as you come to her and say, we're in this boat together. I'm not rowing by myself, but I'm rowing with you, is a tangible expression of of honor. It is the proud, foolish, and selfish man who does not recognize that when his wife is called to be his helpmate, that that means that he is to share with her and to engage with her in the leadership of the home. He's ultimately the point of the spear. He's the place where ultimately at the end of the day, the buck stops. But nonetheless, he sees and he values the input of his wife. Guys, do you know that according to the God's design, your wife doesn't ever get a promotion, right? Like she never becomes the head of the home. She fulfills this role alongside of you. And so, and so do you show her that you value her by seeking out her help? One of the greatest things a husband can do and should do is to come alongside of his wife and to say, we have decisions, we have choices. Would you help me in this? You are my helpmate. When I see Hannah and she's instructing our girls, I don't honor her by stepping in and taking over. Instead, I stand beside her in solidarity. When there's a decision to be made, I seek her opinion. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Show honor to her. When you take all of those things, husbands, when you put it all together, it leaves us with this definition. A role of a husband is to lead his family in such a way that it blesses and benefits them. This is God's design. This is his design. And did you notice that there was a warning in the text? Previously, A wife's role, we said last week, has redemptive implications. As a wife lives out her role, it actually has has redemptive implications. What we mean by that is it can ultimately lead a husband who is in sin, out of sin, or it can lead a husband who does not have salvation, potentially into salvation, as the wife models Jesus Christ in the relationship. In the same way, though, look at the warning. If a husband does not fulfill his role in this way, it says his prayers can be hindered. What's Peter talking about there? There's a lot of different agreement or different opinions on what that means. I think what it means is that if a husband doesn't understand his role and live it out, he thwarts his spiritual walk with God. And that's not something that I want to mess with. I want to understand my role. I want to live it out. So my my prayers before God, that they won't be hindered, that there won't be any barrier between between me and the Lord that would keep me from knowing the grace and mercy that he ultimately provides. This is God's design for marriage. A husband 
leading his family in such a way that it benefits and blesses them. And a wife acknowledging, supporting, and willingly following her husband. And as both of those things were to happen, tell me, is there going to be friction? If a husband is looking to lead his family so that it blesses and benefits them, and a wife says, I'm all for that, I'm going to support you as you attempt to do that, like, I'm not going to thwart that, I'm going to come alongside of you in that. There's this harmony, there's this, there's this rowing that takes place where everybody is in sync. They're going towards the same goal. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's something that's made possible in and only through the gospel. Because I want to I just close with this this morning, I want to ask you to, to take, take inventory of your own marriage right now. I want you to, to think like, Dave, what you just said here sounds great. It sounds perfect, but how does your marriage look? Husbands, how are you doing in leading your homes? Thinking well of your wife, speaking well of your wife, seeking out your wife and, and helping her in that role. Are you affirming her? Are you supporting her? Do you, do you know her? I don't know about you, but even as I was preparing this message, I'm like, goodness. Like, I'm up here preaching this, and my wife's like right over there, and I got three daughters that are going to be like, you know, it's like, uh-huh, all right, pastor guy, let's see how that goes this week, right? In the same way, you have a spouse potentially sitting next to you, and, and they're just like going, uh-huh, you know, right? Like, this is God's design. Do we do this perfectly? We don't. Some of you today are here, and your marriage right now is a train wreck because neither of you understand your roles or are embracing your roles, and you're just like, I don't even know if I want to even continue with this whole thing. Do you know that God gives us all a way forward? If you're like me today, and you're just like, yeah, I can even look back on yesterday or the day before, and I, and I see that I haven't fulfilled this. Maybe you're looking back upon the entirety of your marriage and saying, I, I blew this either as a wife or as a husband. I had a dear sister in the Lord who, who came to me this week just with some tears and said, man, I, I, think, I think I was a stumbling block to my husband. What's the way forward for all of us? The way forward is in and through Jesus Christ. It starts by doing this. Pastor Paul led us to it beautifully. It starts with confession. It starts with us both confessing to the Lord and then to our spouse, those areas where we failed in this. Not to be afraid of that, but to embrace that and say, I'm going to confess this to God. I'm going to confess to him how I have failed as a husband, how I've sinned against my wife. A wife to say, I'm going to confess to my, to my God and to my husband how I've sinned against them. I'm going to repent of those things. I'm going to seek and ask for forgiveness, and then I'm going to believe the words of Jesus that says that he forgives the sinner and actually then gives the grace to move forward from that sin into the role and the life that he has called me to. You see, at the very end of, of Ephesians chapter 5, it says these words. It says, Christ, it says, husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. If you are in the church today, the saving work of Jesus Christ has come and forgiven you for all the times you failed in your role as a husband, failed in your role as a wife. But it just doesn't come and cover you and forgive you. It does that gloriously, yes and amen. But it then also says to you, but now. But now you have the power and the grace to actually move from that place of forgiveness into that place of the pursuit of Christ, the pursuit of your spouse, so that your marriage, my marriage, might be a reflection, a reflection 
of the glorious love that Christ has for his church and for each and every one of us. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over me. I want to ask that the Lord would do something in our marriages. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we recognize that what your word calls us to is your best. It doesn't call us to second best. It calls us to your best. It says, here's my purpose. Here's my design for for marriages. Lord, I just, I first want to pray and ask, Lord, help these words to sink in. Help us to go from this place clear today on how we are to live as husbands and wives in these roles. If we're not married today, Lord, help us to understand these roles so that we can come alongside our brothers and sisters and to encourage them in these these things, to hold them accountable to these, these things. And then, Lord, for each husband and wife that's here today, Lord, my prayer is that you would be quick to even this morning reveal to us those ways in which Lord, we're not living in light of the forgiveness and new life that you've called us to. The way that we're not living in our roles so that, Lord, we might own that before our spouse. We might confess those things before you. Seek your forgiveness. Seek their forgiveness. And then believe and trust in the forgiveness that is there that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And that going forward, we would would do what you have called us to in these roles. To the praise and glory of your name and for the blessings of those that you have placed in relationship to us. And we know this is possible, Lord, because we don't do it through the strength that we provide, but through the strength that you provide. And so we ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen.